0: Shintaro Higashi, welcome to the Man of War podcast, brother. It's an honor to have you on, man.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Hey, listen, so just to start with, what I would love to do is um, introduce yourself to our audience. For those who have never heard heard you, heard you, about you or are starting to follow you here, I think that, man, you have a tremendous credential list here. So I'm going to let you kind of, um, you're going to say it better than I will. Trust me on that.
1: Ah, awesome. All right. So my name is Shintar Higashi. I'm a lifelong martial artist. I'm most known for judo. I have uh, two judo schools now in Manhattan. I was on the world team twice. I won nationals twice. Uh, I have other backgrounds in other martial arts, Japanese jiu karate, aikido, I've done muay thai, I've boxed, I wrestled in college. I did sambo, uh, you know, in the last five years. And, you know, I made a Pan Am team and I won the Pan Am championship and you know, I made a world team there in the sambo realm. It's like a judo wrestling hybrid, if you don't know what it is. You know, and I've done a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu too. So, you know, uh, martial arts is my thing, you know, and yeah, that's, that's what I do. That's what I teach. And that's my entire presence online now. So,
0: Awesome. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about where you came from and really what started gearing you up to start training in the martial arts.
1: Well, so my father came over from Japan to spread judo. It was like a pioneering sort of judo initiative Uh, throughout the globe situation in the 1960s judo was super popular in the 60s and 70s and he was part of that initiative so he came with the sole purpose to spread judo to the united states and you know obviously i was born and you know thrown right into judo so you know earliest memories being at the dojo training with my father training with the guys and Uh, you know, my whole life has been, you know, competition after competition, and it's slowed down now, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, now I'm 36, I'm retired from competition. Now my goals have changed. I'm a father now, you know, but my entire life has been about, you know, training martial arts and doing martial arts and things like that.
0: Do you like the fact that uh, martial arts is kind of like a conduit or some type of connection that you have with the spiritual world, for example. Um, I think that a lot of martial artists in, in, in your, in your level like this, you're constantly competing. There's a certain connection with spirituality with kind of like within you. Okay. The mindset, um, basically how you identify yourself, man, you are a full-born, you know, full-born martial artist since you were born. So talk to me a little bit about your mindset, and your spirituality okay connected to these martial arts because judo you know uh to me judo is is an unbelievable art man we're an aikido also i hold black belts uh, uh in both nice. and and uh it's there's a, a beautiful connection but it, every person is different so talk to me a little yeah. bit about your your mentality
1: so you know there's sport fighting and then there's martial arts right and the way i grew up as a through the education system of martial arts a lot of it was self-improvement right it's a vehicle of self-improvement you're going through there you're training you know it's hard you get taken down you get back up you get scared you know especially if you're a kid and you're fighting someone three years older 30 pounds heavier you get scared right what kid is not going to get scared so like you know my father being out on the sidelines like get in there you know like (laughs) with these types of mentality like you grew up in that thing and it kind of makes you tougher right it makes you better and uh you know, it really is this self-improvement vehicle, right? And, uh, you know, I I truly, when I preach this stuff, I I live it, you know, and I've been through it. So, yeah, you know, it just makes me a better person, better man, and, uh, you know, that's what it's really all about. You know,
0: When you are training for these, you know, for these competitions, okay, um, your focus is obviously winning, but the question is, as you dive into the martial arts, I mean, especially now, um, it, it, diet, uh, the way that you're, you know, you have to time yourself properly for, for the, yeah. you know, to peak at, at during that day or during those days, um, uh, your coaching team. I mean, how do you prepare yourself really for these competitions when you were competing?
1: You know, so you you do have a team, right? The more successful you get, the more people you have on board. I had a strength and conditioning coach, this guy, Martin Rooney. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's very famous. Mm -hmm. You know, he did NFL Combine. He did, you know, the Gracie family with the, you know, MMA and all that stuff. So I had him as a strength and conditioning guy. He was my mentor also. I had a flexibility coach. I had a nutritionist, all these different people on board, you know, at my disposal, right? I had a sports psychologist kind of coaching me through the sidelines and telling me stuff and, you know, people, personal trainers, you know, strength and conditioning guy who would come up with like the ultimate strategy and the plan. But then there was a personal trainer that would kind of like help me implement some of these things. And all these different things came into play together to like sort of peak at the right time. And uh, yeah, boy, boy, it was a very interesting ride, you know, very, very interesting, tough, but really rewarding.
0: When you teach nowadays, you know, what is your focus? <laughs> are, you, are you teaching a sport sport? Martial arts, more geared towards self-development or self-defense. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: So what I like to do is I like to kind of teach you the room, right? There's a lot of people coming into the dojo. Sometimes we have 30, 40 people on the mat. And I kind of gauge who needs what and then kind of teach what I want to teach generally. And some days that's sort of like, you know what? We should focus on leg grabs. I know sport judo doesn't do leg grabs anymore, right? But it's kind of important if you're doing it from a self-defense standpoint, right? People on the streets not going to care about what rule set you trained under. So they're going to dive in for the legs, try to double leg, take down you. So you need to know how to sprawl and defend and then look for a guillotine choke, which is more the BJJ realm. But judokas need to know this, right? So I will teach sort of on the martial side of things. Not, you know, majority of my guys don't compete, right? I would probably say like 5 to 10% of my athletes in my dojo compete. You know, and it's a distribution curve, right? So you can't have the the training and practice be only dedicated to sport and judo because then you miss out on a lot of other things. Double leg takedown, defending the double, right? Defending the guilty all these different things. So when I'm coaching, I'm coaching to the room, but it's more so what I want to teach, right? It's sort of, you know, it's not, I understand like the idea of like not scalable, right? You want a curriculum so anybody could come in and teach for you and that's how you grow a business. But it really is, you know, my methodology of like, hey, if you want to learn from me, I'm gonna teach you what I want to teach, and I'm gonna just cover everything, not just the sports-specific stuff.
0: Right. It's a good mindset to have. It's a good philosophy. A lot of dojos nowadays, and I ran my dojo for eight years, and so I started breaking away and doing this. But um, you know, what I noticed was that uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, most dojos were running on curriculum where anybody could come in and teach and kind of like leave for the other person. But I I find that to be a little bit less personal. Um, I think that when you go in there and and, and you teach from the heart and you teach based on what you're seeing, there's so much more power in that, man. There's so much more connection. Absolutely.
1: There's a little bit of conflict too, you know, because you want to be able to scale from a business standpoint, right? And if you're not making the rent every month, then it's going to be a very difficult business to keep going. So you want to make it so that, and you know, you do martial arts your whole life. Now you start a business, you know, you're not very, you don't have business acumen. So you have to like learn and do all these other things to keep the lights on. So it kind of takes you away. And it's like, Oh man, I, to. Te- I'm good at judo, but you know, I got to get this guy to teach so I could, you know, do this and do that and course. put out fires. And so, you know, it's kind of unfortunate, but that's the advantage of us. We've been, you know, in the basement of the Buddhist church in New York city for, you know, 50 something years. So, you know, a lot of this stuff has been automated, right. so sure. like I really kind of focus on this and, you know, I'm not trying to grow, you know, 300, 400 students anymore. I'm happy content with a certain number of people and I'll just teach those people. Right.
0: Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So let's kind of shift hats a little bit here. Um, as a, uh, martial artist i mean you've gone you've you've learned i mean i guess you you've man you've been uh, training in um mma i guess have, uh, more more so not mma uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu um japanese jiu-jitsu i assume right As yeah. you mentioned that yep yeah. yeah. um uh, aikido judo sambo i mean you have a you have a lot of different arts under your too. belt Wrestling's here. Good one. wrestling yeah. all right so the
1: rest wrestling's a great martial art.
0: So tell me about when you when you take these martial arts and, and you've you've trained them all, what do you find in each? You know, there's there's nowadays there's a uh, there's a lot of different conflicts out there with you know different martial arts styles. You know, whether yeah. it be MMA, whether it be, you know, judo versus jiu-jitsu versus Brazilian jiu-jitsu versus this versus that. There's a lot of mocking going around also in the martial arts world. Ah, oh, yeah, this absolutely. style doesn't yeah. this style doesn't work, that style doesn't work, or this style is better than that. What's your take on that as far as you know being that you are a rounded martial artist?
1: I think uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I think a lot of people forget the, about the individual athlete and the individual mindset, right? There are types of people out there who are freak athletes who will be good at any martial art, <laughs> who can, you know, hold their own if they have a certain background in any kind of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of use this example, like if you take the best athlete in the world, right? Teach that person any martial art and put them against an average Joe who's been training five years, six years, right? That super athletes going to win you know and a great example like this example has been thrown around so many times over and over but like you know me training entire life martial arts you training entire life martial arts you put us against like a gorilla you know like a silverback gorilla with no martial arts technique whatsoever that person that gorilla is going to grab our wrist crush it and then eat us you know what I mean and so there is a lot of ability that can be overshadowed with big strong fast athleticism and mindset mindset's a big one right i don't know if you ever heard like the lobster theory you know with like malcolm gladwell like lobsters never really fight you ever heard of this one
0: no no tell me
1: so you get a lobster in the wild you get another lobster in the wild they come up together and then the lobster who blusters more get bigger and stronger more like this ah and shows no fear that lobster usually wins because Mm. the more the scared lobster kind of scurries away Now that lobster is mentally beaten, so the next lobster, he count is like, oh, man, I almost got destroyed by this other lobster, and it just becomes this negative spiral downwards, right? And then the bigger lobster who won that initial match is much more likely to win the second match, the third match, because he knows no loss, he knows no fear, right? So it's kind of like this mindset of, like, the lobster of, like, they never really actually fight, but the best lobsters in the wild, who are the biggest and the baddest, Kind of got there from a psychological standpoint not really kind of getting into it with any other lobster you know mm,
0: what i mean interesting so like
1: the mentality individual athlete a lot of this stuff can overshadow some skill right little skill right so it's a combination of both and i think the individual athlete and the mindset of individual man or woman or whoever's doing it right i think that gets completely overseen right so like that put that on one spectrum. And then you have to sort of add in the martial arts. You
0: know what I mean? Effective for, for example, when you're out there and and let's just take one aspect. Okay. we got the self-defense approach. Okay. Which is very, very hyper different than the competition approach. Okay. Mm. Being that you've, you know, you've studied these arts which one do you think is best for self-defense?
1: Self-defense.
0: Applicable you know, on the street.
1: Applicable on the street. You know, people are going to hate me for saying this, but like, I think wrestling is a really good one, right? Because you have the ability to take someone down. We're talking about on the street, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone can throw hands high up here, swinging wildly. If you could change levels fast and shoot in, body lock him, double leg him, And now you're there against an unskilled opponent, it is very easy for a skilled grappler to lift them and slam them, right? And that's generally the end of it, right? If you're talking strictly one-to-one in a setting where I'm fully aware, right? Because awareness Mm -hmm. is another thing. I could be walking down the street, listening to my iPod or something, and then somebody attacks me from behind. I don't see it coming. There's two of them, right? You never really know, you know? Maybe I'm nursing a knee injury or something. Right, right, right. In terms of that, like if you were to neutralize and take out all the different surprising and the factor, the different elements, I think grappling has a big advantage, right? Stand up grappling, judo, wrestling, sambo, the heavy takedown
0: martial arts are great. Very good. I'm a big believer of that. All right, let's talk a little bit about your competition. All right, you won. I mean, I I can go down the list here and I have them written down. let's, let's talk about that. Your mindset for competition. All right. When you're out there and you're competing against another human being and another person that's, you know, right there with you. Okay. Their skill yeah. level is because the difference between having competed myself also, the difference between the, the, the guy that lost the second place guy and the first place guy is very, very, very fine when you're yeah. competing at a very yeah. high level. Yes. Yeah. So Um, How do you edge out your opponents? How do you edge out the guys that you've beat? I mean, is it more mindset or you think that somehow you were, you know, in a more, I guess, trained or physically in better, better condition? You know, you, you alluded to earlier, you know, regarding the, the condition of a person physicality, you know, if that person is, was, is, you know, an athlete and he can probably start at a faster level, learn things faster, and maybe even be better at this specific art than a guy that's been training for four or five years within a few months. So talk to me about your mindset going into competition, how you think you've had the edge. Uh, you
1: know, I had a little bit of uh success, you know, I wouldn't call it like the biggest success, right? Cause the big successes, you know, it's on a spectrum and you talk like, you know, multiple gold medalists, uh, Olympics and stuff like that. I've never achieved that level, uh, but you know, I have achieved relative success. And a lot of that I think comes with experience, you know, doing it over and over, seeing what the opponent's doing, being able to read the opponent. And that's sort of like the psychological side, you know, a guy comes out blazing, right? Super hot, you know, it's a five minute match or whatever it is under the different rule sets a lot of the times they're going to gas themselves out, right? Two minutes, three minutes. And then after they gas themselves up, throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you, now you kind of know what the stuff that they do, right? So now you're aware. Oh, these are the combination that he is. He goes inside trip. He has one left attack. He's mostly right, right versus right. His grip is not good. I could outgrip him. All right. And you kind of take it from there. He's getting tired. Let's see what his groundwork is like. His groundwork is not so good. He tries to shy away from it. Okay, that's where I'm going to win the match, right? So those things, I think, really helped me, uh, you know, a lot of my matches, you know, being able to read the opponent, feel them out, see what their weaknesses are. And, uh, you know, that's mental too, you know, and in my earlier phases of competition, I would sometimes go out there and just brawl, right? And it was my mentality earlier to just kind of go out there like a storm, just give him my best, right? But the older I got, the more I realized that wasn't the most efficient approach, mm-hmm. Right. So, I was able to like read my opponents better and really capitalize on their weaknesses and really ex- exploit them for that. Right. And then kind of use my strengths. Right. Because sometimes you're not going to be, you know, in as good a shape as the other person. Sometimes, you know, the other person does something really well. You know, and sometimes they have tricks up their sleeves. You don't really know. So, being able to bring your energy level down and stay calm and then kind of really understand your opponent, I think was my that was a big advantage that I had, you know, later on in my career, the more experience that I got.
0: Do you teach kids at all?
1: I do. Okay. Sometimes. Um,
0: Right. So, so a young person teaching uh, as a martial arts instructor, um, uh, to me personally, my experience teaching young people is you literally have to wear a completely different hat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then teaching adults. Um, my question is for you being a, are you, you're a newer father now, or you have yeah, a my daughter's three. Okay. So you're, you're, you're a young father now and these principles that you bring to the table and you teach the younger, the younger uh, generation, you know, the younger five, eight, 10 year olds, yeah. you know, ultimately what do you want them to get out of the martial art that you're teaching? I mean, outside of the, the self-defense aspect what yeah. you know? What disciplines do you want to to teach to younger guys and girls?
1: I mean, discipline like martial art. I think uh, yes. judo is one one of the big ones that I want to teach my daughter. And I think first and foremost, developing a love for the sport. And kids love fun, you know. Mm. So it's got to be fun. So make it fun. Make them love it. So now they keep coming back. And then once they're coming back, training, training, training. Now, sort of, you can start little by little adding and building. And you know, I haven't really done it with my daughter yet right? She's mm-hmm. three, yeah. but I've done it, you know, with countless students coming through my program. And, you know, the more experienced in the the older the business got, the more I had, you know, other instructors helping me. Uh, but the first and foremost is love and fun, love for the sport, have a good time. And then little by little creating this environment where they could really stand up for themselves. That's really the most important thing about martial arts, right? Knowing that if some kid put their hands on him or her, right, they take him down, <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it really is like the ultimate, you know, thing for kids because kids wrestle. They just wrestle without even knowing, you know, I I saw two four-year-olds the other day in the park and they're just wrestling. They have no experience. And their mom's like, oh, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Ah, you can't do that. But then they're like on top of each other, putting each other in headlocks. Oh, shoot, the guy's behind him. The kid picked him up and like dropped him like, yeah, you know. So it's kind of ingrained in our uh, DNA to, to do this, you know, so I think judo and wrestling and those kind of grappling arts really build on that. So, you know, big fan. Now, let
0: me, let me ask you a question. Uh, when you t- when you teach your, your younger children, you know, the youngers, okay. Uh, discipline in your part, for example, do you institute some type of like rigid discipline the way that they, you know, that they sit in class, the way that they bow to each other, do you, in- or is it more of a laid back type of atmosphere?
1: It's definitely disciplined, but I don't do it in the conventional sense of like, hey, sit there, hey, be quiet. Hey, you have to listen to your sensei. Yes, sensei, yes, sensei. I don't do any of that stuff. I make sure the pace of the class is interesting enough. This is what I'm teaching, right? That they are so interested in whatever I have to say that they're just like listening and then zoned in. And as soon as a kid starts messing around or goofing off on the side, I say, okay, maybe I'm not being interesting enough. So I make it relevant to them. It's like, hey guys, how many of you guys seen, you know, Batman or whatever it is, like, oh, this move is done by Batman does this. Epoch and like Batman throws people, launches people. You want to be like Batman? Like, I'm gonna show you how to be like Batman. All right, come gotcha. circle around. Come on in, come on in. And no kid is messing around after you throw Batman in there. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean?
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, that's kind of my approach. Awesome. Now your philosophy, okay, for the adults, what's your philosophy there when you're training somebody that steps in into your dojo for the first time and says, you know what, I just want to do judo and or you know uh jujitsu yeah. for personal development, but I want to be physically fit and I want to learn how to defend myself.
1: Yeah, that's that's the ideal client really. You know, uh the people who are trying to make it to the you know, a lot of the our clients or students are people who are coming in after work, you know, and they're accountants, mm-hmm. lawyers, doctors, personal trainers, all these different types of people you know, they're not going to give up their career to try to make a world team or something like this, you know what I mean? So bringing out their personal best and then having them really enjoy judo and reap the benefits of judo is like my number one goal. And I'm pretty good at that, you know, I'm not recruiting guys. I'm not forcing competition down, you know, the throats of people. What happens a lot of times when you're like pushing competition all the time is you create a tiered system in the dojo, Right kids who've come up through the system, who's been doing it 10 years, they're tier one citizens. And now all of a sudden the people who are coming to judo after work who are in their thirties, they're tier two citizens, right? You create this natural hierarchy. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's not really a place for everyone to train anymore, you know? So a lot of it is like, you know, this is a little bit Eastern, but like the collectivist mindset of like, everyone has to make each other better in here. Right. Right. Everyone has a different starting point. Some people are jacked. Some people are small. Some people are tall. Some people are fat, right? We're all starting from different points, but we're all trying to get better here, right? If you're trying to make this person next to you better and the next to you better, then they're going to return the same thing. And then in theory, everybody in the room is trying to make you better, right? And not purely altruistic because everyone has their best interests at heart too, right? So, but you have this mindset of like, I want to get better. I want because that guy wants to get better. We're all going to elevate each other. Right. Disregarding like who's does what competition, who is what belt. Everyone has a different stance, different starting point, but we're all going to make each other better. Right. And that's like the number one philosophy for my school. And it's working pretty good, I think.
0: Awesome. Um, Talk to me about how martial arts has helped you in your life. Okay. From a perspective of maybe what's, give me an example. What has been something very difficult in your life that the martial arts has helped you overcome it?
1: Martial arts has helped me overcome it. The
0: principles and yeah, so things like that.
1: You know, it's not so much like one event that was very difficult for me. It Mm -hmm. feels like I'm in a great place mentally because I do martial arts, right? It's not like, oh, this thing happened to me and I got over it because I did martial arts. But a lot of this stuff that could potentially happen that's really bad, I've been able to not encounter because I have this mindset of being not better than everyone, but like improving myself all the time, improving myself all the time. So... You know, uh, my academic background, too, you know, it's something, uh, you know, I have two master's degrees, not to brag or anything, right? but I got two master's degrees, I got an MBA and a, a teaching degree. And, you know, that stuff, too, it carries over from the martial arts world of like, hey, you got to constantly improve yourself. You know what I mean? Um, it's like the idea of like having a sensei that's, you want to look up to that sensei. You know, you don't want to, you know, out of shape instructor that's, you don't want to be like that person. You don't want to be like that guy, right? So making myself constantly better, right? So people look up to me and things like this, like it puts you in a great place because, man, I hope I'm not coming off like a, like a crazy person.
0: (laughs) No, no. What you're saying is spot on, man.
1: Yeah. You you know, you want to be that person. And uh, when you're that person, you know, uh, a lot of these negative things, you know, are much less likely to happen to you, I think.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. If you're the best at judo, if you're always training, if you're good to people and, you know, you have the other people's thing at heart, you know, people come into the train. Now all of a sudden people wanna be around you, you know, and even if you don't have the best business skills, people are gonna to wanna to come be around you, right? Things like this, you know? No one wants an out of shape trainer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh you man, know. I wanna get in shape. You, you know, not, I'm not in the best of shape, but like, you know, people, you know, that's sort of kind of like, uh... yeah, I hope I answered your question.
0: <laughs> no, you it's did, Kind of like you did. this you, roundabout you, way. <laughs> no, you, you were good with that. All right. Let me ask you another question here. That's kind of like around the same lines when, you know, we we talked about physicality mentality and, you know, are you a spiritual guy or you, or are you more of a, of a down to earth, pragmatic type of guy?
1: I would say a little bit more pragmatic, you know, the danger of martial arts and being a little bit too spiritual, things like that. People put too much meaning to where things are not right. And I really like to focus down on the mechanics of the technique, right? Like throwing mechanics, the, the physics behind it, mm-hmm. you know, lever, fulcrum, leverage, all this stuff, as opposed to, because it's very, very easy for people to say, oh, I felt Sensei's energy and he threw me. Now it's not something that I acquired. It's like something that like kind of this other world level of, right? Something that I, you know, unexplainable, you know, now all of a sudden you're relying on faith, right? And the lines can get very murky especially with a Eastern background, like a Japanese background, people kind of seek that a lot of the times who are looking for martial arts instructors and, you know, the sensei stuff. Right. And, you know, you've probably seen it a million times. The sensei syndrome is a real syndrome. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I kind of tried to steer away from it. I am a spiritual person personally, but I try to kind of leave it out of from the martial arts side, you know? Yeah. There's a, meditating component at the very end of the practice. And there's uh, the dojo creed and stuff like this. And we talk about spirit being one of the creeds, the four creeds of the dojo, but I try not to put too much attention on it.
0: Got it. Well said. All right, let's go back to, I'm going to kind of break it down to d- different competition, wrestling versus judo. Mm. Give me an idea of what it is to, to compete wrestling Versus competing in judo, what are certain things that are different? Certain things that are alike.
1: The most uh, different thing, you know, growing up doing wrestling and judo was that wrestling you do a part of the school system, so high school team, college team, so mm-hmm. you really have sort of this brotherhood behind you, right? You're mm-hmm. going to the tournaments together. You're wearing the same colors. You're wearing the same uniform. A lot of the times, judo, yes, but it's a little bit more scattered because you have a lot more random dojo it's very rare to see a judo team bringing 40 people deep right Mm -hmm. so you have this dojo bringing five people that dojo bringing six people and you sort of have your local favorites right and then the depth is not as deep in the united states Now i'm not talking japan cuba russia i'm not talking about those countries i'm talking in united states specifically there's a lot more depth in wrestling you can go into a wrestling tournament have a 47 person bracket you know and you have to it's a long day You have to win six matches in a row, you know? And so it's a little bit of a different feel, you know, going there. It feels more wrestling feels more like war, right? Because you got your brothers with you, your teammates with you. You're all wearing the same colors. It's you. And then they they keep great track of the team score. So it's like, if you pin someone, you put six points on your teams, you know, and then the scoreboard is right there, right? Right. People yelling and screaming, it's not guided by the respect principle. So people yell and screaming get into shoving matches sometimes. It's a little bit more goonish, mm-hmm. right? And it's a lot more grittier, you know? And judo has the sort of the Eastern philosophy of like respect, right? So you're like, you have to bow to your opponent. You have to carry yourself a certain way. You know, you, you don't like get angry, throw your gi, you know, to the side. You don't do any of that stuff. So in that way, it was very, very different. But the culture is very actually. There's a lot more similarities than there are differences. They're both grappling sports. You know, there's a lot of ego-based, right? You know, because yeah. two people walk onto the mat, one person emerges winner. Sure. So a lot of that stuff with like, I want to be the champ. I want to win. You know, break your opponent. Uh, you know, mentally, physically, whatever it is, outskill them, outmaneuver them. All that stuff still holds true, right? So very, very similar. Uh, but the major difference I think is, you know, wrestling is a little bit more team-ish. You know, it's not a team sport, but it has a more team-ish feel.
0: Very good. All right. Talk to me about Sambo. All right. That's usually a, a, a yeah. that's usually a little bit different than what we discussed. It's not a very or as popular as judo and, and yeah. uh, you know so talk to me about that. I'm interested in that. Yeah,
1: Sambo's really cool, man. It's a wrestling judo hybrid. And it's a sport that's immensely popular in Russia, Bulgaria, all those uh, Soviet countries. And it really is like a, a almost perfect rule set. You know, you could shoot it on the legs. You know, you're not wearing gi pants. You're wearing those wrestling shorts so you could wrestle. And you could do judo. Um, you could do leg, ba- leg locks, straight knee bars, ankle locks, elbow locks. Uh, yeah, very, very intense. You know, uh, the Pan American region's not so strong at Sambo. But, like, you go to the Soviet, you go to the Europeans, those guys are savages. And you see a lot of crossover. You know, I remember when I went to the sambo Worlds, uh, I saw a bunch of judo guys there. You know, I, I, the, I knew the guy who I competed against from Kazakhstan. He was, like, you know, 36th in the world at the time at, at judo. He was there. I saw the Mongolian champion, Kashpatar. He was there. And it's just like an, oh, shoot, like, oh, man, look at you, you know, it's like a reunion almost of guys who did judo five years ago, who have retired, are now doing Sambo, right? Because it's a little bit easier to make it out of the country, um, you know, in Sambo, because just the population is a lot lower, right? As opposed to like a judo, right? And I think it's same across the entire globe, except Russia, except Russia.
0: When, uh, at one point in your life, when you started training, did you, you know, you, you learned it from your dad initially, right? Judo? Yeah. You started, okay. At what point did you decide to start learning or, or, or you know, training in different martial arts?
1: So the dojo was a Japanese martial arts school, right? So that was like, growing up, we I, we had to do all the martial arts, judo, jujitsu, aikido, and karate, Right. I took judo, obviously the most serious, because that was, you know, the biggest one in the club. So judo, you know, I was doing a lot of that. Right. And then when I was in high school, I started wrestling. And that was like, I fell in love with wrestling. I was good at it right off the bat because of my judo experience. And then I wrestled in college. So that was really the extent of, you know, the four Japanese martial arts and wrestling. And then after college, I started doing a little bit more you know, striking oriented stuff. Doing karate is a little bit different than like boxing and Muay Thai, right? So I had a great friend, Joe Sampieri, who's a Muay Thai coach at the Henzo Gracie Muay Thai down. And, and he would always invite me. And I didn't like train full time or anything like that. I, you know, worked out with him a bunch of times, handful of times, but that kind of gave me the feel of like, oh man, I really like this striking stuff. So I got into boxing, you know, and I was doing boxing for a couple of years, you know, sparring, doing this stuff and trying to refine myself there. And then jiu-jitsu, I've kind of been on and off for like the last decade. And I kind of have like a great, great partnership with this guy, Brian Glick. He teaches me Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I teach him judo. So it's a great little two-way situation. He comes over, we work out judo for an hour, we do jujitsu jitsu for an hour. And then we just kind of hang out for, you know, for a little bit. So, you know, uh, yeah, man, in and out. And then one day Sambo, U.S. coach, who's a judo coach and said, hey, man, you want to compete in this tournament? I was like, Sure. You know, and then I had some success there and I just kind of kept the ball rolling. And you know, I haven't in a couple of years, you know, I'm 36 now. Um, but yeah, that's sort of uh, in and out of all the different martial arts.
0: So who was a mentor in your life? Outside of, oh, outside of your father, maybe, or, yeah. or relative, outside of that, like more of a, uh, someone that kind of, you know, brought you to that next level, someone that you followed
1: yeah I have a couple people that immediately springs to mind you know uh one guy you know Martin Rooney I've already spoke about him he was my strength and conditioning coach and he Mm -hmm. got me when I was like 18 19 years old you know and up until that point like I was number one in the country in judo you know at the you know the not like under 20 but just like full-blown adult judo I was 19 Mm -hmm. years old but like I wasn't really doing everything right you know I was just Doing a ton of judo, lifting, you know, crazy heavy weight, but doing like a bodybuilders lift, you know, like back and bys, you know, chest and tries, and, you know, just really reading muscle and fitness and, you know, you know those kind of things. And just, uh, you know, just taking a lot of protein shakes and just lifting as heavy as I can. I, was, I wasn't really doing anything scientifically yet. And my father kind of was like, just go out there and grapple as hard as you can and train as hard as you can. And that's it. Right. So he didn't really teach, teach, you know what I mean? So... When I met Martin, he was like, come over. I'm a strength and conditioning, like God, right? He's like, I, I know everything. He didn't say this, but that's how who, who he is, right? I work with all these different players, NFL combine, like that's my thing. Come to my gym, went to this gym. And all of a sudden, I'm working out with this guy three times a week for like, you know, two, three years. And during that time, you know, he's a lot older than I was. He just started kind of like indoctrinating me with these little isms, you know, that really kind of stuck with me, and I still kind of live by some of them, right, like, uh, you know, he'll he'll say things like, don't get frustrated, get fascinated, right, anytime you find yourself getting frustrated, be fascinated, you know, you want to be a student of the sport, the student of whatever it is, and that's something that I still try to, I get frustrated, you know, get pissed off when something's not going my way, and now I'm like, all right, you know what, find what's interesting about the situation, right, and then try to overcome it, and So Martin was definitely a major influence in my life, you know, and he moved away. Yeah. You know, in my early twenties. So, you know, I haven't seen him in a long time, but you know, that short amount of time that I spent with him two to three years, four years that really made a lasting impact on me.
0: What are your thoughts on the Olympics this year, the judo?
1: Oh man. I think uh, it's very exciting. You know, uh, it it was really sad to see the US team kind of not producing at all. And uh, the Japan crush it, you know, uh, it was very interesting, you know, and from a person that like knows a lot of these guys who are out there, there was a part of me that was like, oh man, like, you know, I missed out a little bit, you know, but the older you get, the kind of harder it is to kind of be in it, right? As you would know, you know, uh, once you competed at a certain level, You know, and I was 43rd in the world at the, on the world ranking list at one point in my life. And now, you know, I have different responsibilities, right? I have, uh, you know, two businesses to run, a daughter to raise. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, going, you know, to a tournament, you know, three, four tournaments a month stay, international, you know, stays and whatnot, you know, you're out 70% of the time. You're not home 70% of the time you know, so all those different things, you know, I'm not able to do anymore. And, uh, you know, I made those sacrifices for, right, because I had to because of life stuff, but there's always a little bit of watching it, like, man, I wish I could still be out there. And I wish I could still kind of, you know, get going. And I feel like I know more than these guys, I do know more now than I did before. Right. But it's like, man, I wish I could, you know, and it's a little bit kind of uh it stings a little bit still when i when i see it from the sidelines you know because that the olympics was the one team that i never made You know, i made the world team and all this stuff but the olympics is very elusive it's once every four years and things had to be perfect i got injured you know all this stuff you know it's like how many yeah, excuses you want yeah you know? <laughs> uh, of course
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a tough one without a doubt well listen man um can you just, uh, as far as follow you, following you, is is Instagram the only place that you post, you know, these uh, videos with you doing techniques and things like that, or do you do it on? No, I have uh, a other...
1: YouTube account. I have a YouTube okay, you account do? that oh, has perfect. about okay. hundred thousand subscribers now. It's growing. Okay. Well, what is, is
0: it? Uh, where can I find that so I can uh, put that on the show notes for the followers here, Yeah, you could, do,
1: uh, you could search Shintaro Higashi. There's not too many Shintaro Higashis in the world on YouTube. And okay. Then you could find it. I have a podcast as well, Shintaro Higashi Show. Pretty got easy. Um, and then Instagram, show.
0: yeah. Podcast, got it. All right, and then on, and then on IG also. Uh, what do you yep. post mostly on uh, YouTube? Mostly
1: technique stuff. So okay. a lot of what I post on the YouTube kind of I like clips. I don't. I don't do it. I have a guy do it. He like clips some of the videos and then posts it on Instagram and you know, repurpose it, but it's a little bit more in depth, uh technical because, you know, I try to you know, and I was kinda going into like that like, oh, you know, doing Rondori, like rolling with my guys and stuff like this kind of videos. There's there's some of that on there too. Uh maybe I will do more of that in the future. But you know, uh it, it's a lot to juggle, you know, doing this and doing the dojo and doing, you
0: know. Awesome, man. I'll give you a follow there and, and uh Yeah, thank you. It'll uh yeah, I'm going to push it through through my guys here and, and um, our social media. And uh, what we're going to do here is um, over the next uh, few months, we're going to have a, a sit down, probably a roundtable of uh, 10 martial artists from different styles and some guys that are um, actually even uh, just won the Olympics now. So nice. Uh, we got them all coming on and I would like to have you also. So
1: yeah, we'd love uh, to be a part of that. You know, it's yeah. a
0: nice round table from different martial artists. And, uh, I think, uh, I think you'd be a good fit for that for sure.